Welcome to the Testimony Podcast, people of faith telling the stories that matter from their lives. I'm your host, Andrew Chamberlain, and I'm delighted that you can join us for this conversation. You can subscribe to the Testimony Podcast on all of the major podcast distributors and follow us on Twitter at TestimonyCast. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Testimony Podcast. My guest for this episode emigrated to the UK from Zimbabwe, an amazing country, but with a troubled history. He has learned some tough lessons about trusting God, both in terms of the plans he wanted to make for his life, and then literally whether he was going to live or die. He is a church leader, a teacher, a writer, and a musician with a story to tell about God's provision in all circumstances. His name is Matt McClary. And this is his story. So, Matt, welcome to the Testimony Podcast. It's great to have you as my guest today. Hi, Andy. It's great to be here. So I wonder if we could start by you telling us a little bit about you, your upbringing, your background, um, and the kind of things that you get up to now. Sure. That's a big question. (laughs) I was born and raised in Zimbabwe, which is a country in Southern Africa. Not South Africa. Lots of people say, oh, South Africa. But South Africa is a country of its own right at the bottom of Africa. Zimbabwe kind of just sits on top of it quite neatly. Um, So one of Zimbabwe's borders is South Africa, as well as a few others. And so I was born there, raised there, went to school there, pretty much envisaged living my life there, really. So that's where life began for me, which is quite different to what life is like now, where I'm living in the UK. It's quite a different culture, different everything, really. I, I, I had to make quite a big adjustment when, when I moved across here in, in a whole number of ways. Mm. Um, even, even my language had to change a bit as well, because, you know, we, in Zimbabwe, you call things by different names and it gets Mm. all rather confusing if you if you stick with those when you in a different culture so yeah so how old were you when you how old were you when you came to the uk then or you i was about 22 23 yeah so i went to south africa and i went to south africa i went to university in south africa um even though i was from zimbabwe because the 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 education system there the the universities if you get a degree at a university in zimbabwe um you can only really be employed in zimbabwe you can't really transfer that to anywhere else in the world so they're not that great so to get a degree of substance that that actually meant something i had to go to south africa to to do that so i studied there um trained as a primary school teacher um started life um, teaching in primary schools things got really bad in Zimbabwe um, which we might dive into a little later Um, I'll I'll go into some detail on that in a moment so stay tuned and listen to that bit (laughs) Um, things got really bad and that prompted me to move to the UK Um, so I've been here since 2003 so a fair length of time now I taught, I've taught for most of that time, although I stopped teaching about four or five years ago now. Um, I just felt God was moving me on from that to, to do different new and exciting things. Um, so that's what I'm pursuing now. So at the moment, 
I, I basically um, am in full-time ministry. So I am an overseer or elder at my local church here in Wisbeach, where I'm based in Eastern um, England. So let's explore then your journey with Jesus a little bit. Mm. I wonder if you could share with us some of the times where you have felt particularly close to Christ or particularly that he's been your companion um, and what, what happened during those times. Hmm. It's hard for me to, to pick specific ones <laughs> because I hinted at it earlier. Let's start, let's start there. So I don't know how much you know about the, the situation in Zimbabwe. Um, if I said the, the name Robert Mugabe, it might um, spark a, um, some recognition i'm sure he's met he's been mentioned on the news lots of times mm. he's not around anymore but he no. certainly was for many 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 years i think and a lot of people would associate zimbabwe with him even though he, as you say he's not around anymore now yeah yeah and there, there came a point um a political maneuver on his part um that basically destroyed the country some of our the zimbabwe is a landlocked country so that we don't have any seaports. So we pretty much have to import everything. And it's a very agriculturally based economy as well. So, I mean, there were some amazing farms and farmers in the country, once referred to as the breadbasket of Africa, producing loads of crops and things that would be exported around the world. I mean, I knew a farmer just down the road from where I lived who grew broad beans for Tesco. And, you know, all sorts of, you know, in the airplanes and off they would go. Um, it was, it was amazing. And of course, with the, the wildlife and things, the other main earner was tourism. One of the promises, because there was a civil war in Zimbabwe that ended just while I was being born, because it was a colony. And then the colony broke away from Britain, but the government was a white minority government. And of course, the, the majority of people weren't happy with this, which I can understand completely. And there was a power struggle and there was, there was civil war. And eventually that all kind of ended roughly right when I was being born, sort of 1978, 1979. And basically from that point on, Mugabe was the president. And things were great for a long time. But at that point, he promised, he promised his fighters that they would get land, that they were liberating the land back again. And 20 or so years later, that hadn't happened. Mugabe was in his rich palace with three helicopters in the garden and his latest Mercedes cavalcades and all the rest. But there were, you know, poverty and everything else was very much present. And a lot of his support were very upset with him because he hadn't delivered on mm. the promises that mm. he had made. So he just kind of said, okay, fine, we'll go go do it yourself, go take it over, you know? And so it was kind of a free for all. It was a crazy time. And when that all started, because all of this started going on international news, as it should have done, everyone said, oh, okay, well, we're not going to go there for a holiday. It's mm. not such a great place to go. It's not very safe. There's all this stuff going on. We're not going to go there. So basically the, the two main things that the economy relied on, farming and tourism, were just completely decimated, which led to massive hyperinflation 
of the Zimbabwean dollar. It reached a point where I don't have the exact figures in front of me, but I know that our hyperinflation is the second highest the world has ever seen at, at its one point, mm. um, which means over a thousand percent inflation. It was hard. It was really hard. And, and it was into this environment where at the end of my university um, training, I, I was actually contracted to work for four years to a specific um, school as part of the, the bursary scheme that I had to go to university. And my first paycheck was over a million Zimbabwean dollars. And I was still living below the breadline that would buy me six bread rolls, 10 liters of petrol, and maybe a bottle of Coke. But for all those things, you'd have to queue up all weekend. To get, Cash was rationed. There was no such thing as credit or credit cards or checks or anything. And life was really tough. So one of the things where God really showed, well, it's an interesting one because at the time I didn't really feel it. Hmm. It's only looking back now. I can clearly see, ah, yes, God was there and he was doing stuff. So I was contracted, as I said, to, to go and work at the school and was in the cap, a, a city on the complete opposite side of the country to where I had lived and grown up. I'd never really been there before in my life. Um, I, with all what was going on, trying to find somewhere to live was very challenging um, the school didn't really want to help in any way. They just wanted me to do the work because that's what I was there to do. Um, but a, a different school heard about me and said, you know what, come, come here. We've got some accommodation and we'll feed you as well. We'll give you, <laughs> we'll give you food from, you know, part of the boarding staff and stuff. Um, and exchange for that, um, you just need to do one afternoon sports coaching a week. Wow. And at the time, I was just like, oh, yeah, okay, this is great. You know, I'm surviving. But looking back on it, it's, it, it was really amazing. It was one of those moments. I, I, I equate it to, um, was it Elijah who was fed by the ravens um, mm. when he was out mm. in that time of famine and stuff? Because yeah. it really was. It, it, and food and things were so scarce. And here's this, here's this amazing school saying, Here's somewhere to stay. Wow. Come and eat all this food. Come and live here with us and just do, you know, like one very small task as a token kind of exchange. Mm. Um, and that was amazing. So even though at the time, because I suppose because I was so focused on trying to, trying to keep my head above water in that crazy situation, I didn't really notice particularly or feel god being there but but looking back on it now yeah he he was so there and so involved in everything going on it was it really was amazing it's interesting isn't it how there are times in life where we don't really see god's work until afterwards it's with hindsight mm. it's almost like looking back you say yeah i can see those points in life where god was intervening um uh, do you know, just out of interest, or do you, was there anything special about this school? How is it that they were able to have you come and they gave you like food and lodging mm. for like an afternoon's work a week? I mean, it just. I know. It's amazing. Wow. Nothing particularly special. 
um, the the bursary scheme I was with was sort of like a group of independent schools all around the country. They were all members of mm-hmm. this this group, mm-hmm. um, and this other school that 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 accommodated me. They were part of the group, and they sort of heard of my plight, as it were, <laughs> working at another school in the yeah. in the city who was also yeah. part of the group but weren't that great. Um, they just said, "We'll help." Yeah, that was amazing. That is a blessing. Yeah. So can you think of another time maybe when when you felt God close to you? Well, there's a there's an obvious one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Tell us the obvious one. So in 2016, um oh, it it was a very difficult time Mm. in my life. In the same week, early 2016, in the same week, so in the space of a few days. So previously to this, my wife had lost our second child. So my wife had an ectopic pregnancy and we, we lost um, the baby. Mm. And so in early 2016, we had the joy of discovering that my wife was pregnant mm. again mm. after that, at that dark time. And within the space of a few days, we also discovered that I had cancer. Stage four non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Stage and four. Stage four, and you only get four stages. Yeah, I'm going to say. So, I think for those for the for the uninitiated, maybe you should tell us like <laughs> what stage four means. Yeah. So, so stage four is like as as bad as it gets. Um, I I didn't know it, but I had tumors all over my body. I had um, a really, really big one about the size of a Starbucks takeaway cup in my abdomen that I didn't know was there. The doctor kind of said, phone me up after doing the scan. They they did the scan and they said, oh, you know what? This This kind of cancer that you have, it takes ages before it gets serious. You know, it could be years and years and years and and." you just carry on as normal and we don't do anything and you don't do anything. And then they'll reach then. I, can you believe it? I know. Then they'll reach a point where, you know, it'll, it'll tip the scales and it'll become a bit more serious and then we'll do something about it. So I was like, Oh, okay, fine. So kind of go away after the scan and, you know, you won't hear from us for a month or two and then we'll kind of get in touch. So I thought, okay, all right, that's fine. Within the space of two weeks, the doctor obviously saw my scan and was on the phone and said, right, get oh, here wow. now. Oh, you got gosh. to get here now. Yeah. Drop yeah. everything. I was in the middle of marking textbooks in the classroom. And he said, just, just drop everything and get here. We need to operate oh. on you this evening. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, my word. This is, this is pretty yeah. scary stuff. What's going yeah. on? And so, yeah, so I, I, I arrived. And he explained, he said, look, we found this massive tumor in your abdomen <coughs> and it's pushing on your kidneys. And he says, how are you feeling? I said, I'm feeling absolutely fine. And he said, well, that's very odd. He says, because if we don't do anything now in two weeks time, you'll be in full renal failure. And, you know, that could be the end. So I was like, oh, right. Okay. So, yeah. so they did what they had to do. They couldn't remove my tumors because it's in the lymph system, which yeah. is your body's defenses so all it was was trying to you know put a stent in to to help the kidneys to work better it it was no removal of tumors or anything like that um and pretty much immediately straight away they started the the chemo well 
the steroids that you have as well as they, they gave me it was like taking a whole bottle at once you know like 40 pills here we go take these and and that that was just the start of you know a pretty intense um treatment regime that lasted for about six months um of yeah in wow. and out chemo and yeah then all your defenses go down and then you're back in hospital again and this is going wrong and that's going wrong. but the chemo made me more ill than the cancer because <laughs> i didn't i felt fine until they oh, started the chemo. yeah i mean chemo is an aggressive therapy isn't it really in many ways i guess it's, yeah. it's not it's not like just kind of have a have a spoonful of cough medicine or something no well to give you an idea i mean the the thing the thing with it i've learned from all of this is there are so many different types of cancer and there are so many different ways that you can do treatments and types of treatments and tweak the treatments. Everyone gets their own specialized, personalized treatment that's for them, which mm. is pretty amazing. Um, so my experience isn't going to necessarily be the, another person's experience. No, it is quite no. tailored. Um, but yeah, so my treatment lasted a day when I had my chemo. I had to go and I had to arrive at like seven in the morning and I would leave at five, six at night maybe wow. seven it depended how long it all took but for the first half of the day they were pretty much just filling you up with all sorts of medicines to counteract the effects of what they were about to give you in the afternoon so <laughs> oh so God. yes fun and games and i would leave yeah. i would leave each session with like two carrier bags full of injections and pills and everything else that I had to then self-administer for the next three weeks before I then had to go back again. So it was a, an intense time, but <laughs> here's the thing, but I really felt God with me in that whole time. Mm. Just before it all went crazy, um, I discovered these lumps and one of the doctors at the hospital was going, mm, you know, mm, I'm not too sure, mm, you know, don't get your hopes up. It might be cancer type thing. I went away. I was, I was helping with the, the music and, and leading worship at a sort of a 24 seven prayer weekend. Yeah. So I went off to that um, after just hearing, you know, the doctor going, Oh, you know, it, it, it could be this terrible thing. Mm. Um but that was a really valuable time because I was just able just to splurge everything out, every emotion, every fear, everything else, and just say, God, here I am. And what is going on? And, mm. you know, I don't know what, what's going to happen. And basically in that time, um, God told me that, yes, I had cancer. So I knew before the doctor actually confirmed right. my diagnosis, yeah. I knew I had it. But in that same moment, he said, I'm in control. He didn't say you're going to live. He just said, mm -hmm. I'm in control. And that's enough. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the sense of peace that just filled me then, knowing that, you know what, mm -hmm. whether I live, whether I die, it's okay because God is in control and he knows me and i know him and i know that whatever happens whatever happens whether i live whether i die i just got you know a young family my wife was just pregnant with our mm. second child at the mm. same moment and you know you're all this like oh what's going to happen but actually god said you know what 
whatever happens, I am good. And it's, you know, well, it's yeah. going to be okay. Whatever happens, whether you live or die, it's all right. Mm-hmm. Because I am in control and I've got this. So I had to choose to hold on to that yeah all the way okay. through it wasn't just yeah. like oh you know happy days let this carry on i yeah. had to i had still had to battle um fears and and that sort of thing but mm. also at the same time just surrendering and just saying you know i am out of control none of this is in my control you know the the doctors were in control the you know god was in control Everybody else around me was in control. I was just the one in the middle being done stuff to you. I was not in control at all of anything. And that would have really um, bothered me. Um, But it was by God's grace that he had already prepared the way and said, you know what, let go of that control. You don't need to be in control because I am in control and just, just, it was that, that that verse in the bible which kind of says you know just be still and i will fight for you that that whole kind of idea so so i i just focused and practiced and being still quite literally sort of just lying on the sofa and just letting god do whatever it was he was doing so mm. that really saw wow. me through that that difficult time and that was six months of treatment did you say or more than that? six about about six months of chemo yeah and and with all these things with the cancer world they they never tell you the next thing <laughs> it's always <laughs> like we'll do six months of this and then we'll review and see kind of where things are at and then make decisions then so you can't ever plan forward it's just like okay six months of this and then you get to the end and it's like, okay, right, let's see. Oh, yes, you've responded quite well. So, you know, I could have gone on with more chemo after that or whatever, but I didn't because, you know, the tumors were pretty much gone by then. But then it was two years of maintenance treatment after that. It's kind of like some of the chemo cocktail, but not all of it. Um, for two years, kind of spread out a bit more to try and push back any resurgence because the doctors tell me the kind of cancer i have they cannot cure so the doctors expected to come back again i'm trusting in god for right. the healing and but only it's weird because only only god knows whether i'm healed or not mm. because i mm. i could live in fear forever that this mm. might come back mm. you know again i have to choose do i do I focus on living or do I focus on, you know, oh my goodness, is it going to come back again? Mm. Um, but yeah, so the doctor's expected to come back. I don't. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I presume so far it hasn't come back. No, so far. no. I've been in remission for five and a half years now. Fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, but whatever it is, it's not like there's a cure. It's like, I guess if my came back, they'd kind have to... of cancer, my my still did a different type. Some some yeah. types they can cure no problem. Yeah. Or they can operate and remove it or whatever. But my particular type, my non-Hodgkin lymphoma, they they can't cure it, according to the doctors no. at the moment. Wow. Okay. So I still have to rely on God for for that as well. 
mm. to heal me. And, and meanwhile, you have to get on with your life, with all the things that you've yeah. told us you do, and your family. I, I guess you've got young children, and I've got a wife. Three now. <laughs> three. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> just got to get on with it, I guess. You do. Yeah, you do. Wow. Um, how hard is that sometimes for you, though? Because you're saying you're having to hold on to a truth that God's revealed to you five years, six years ago, whatever. Uh, how how hard is that? And how do you do that? How do you hold on to that truth all the time, day after day? It's got easier now that the, the thick of it <laughs> is behind me. Um, I can now plan more into the future, um, which is great. Mm. Um, so I don't think about cancer. Um, it's not on the forefront of my mind like it was. No. Which is good. And seeing the odd advert for, you know, the bake-off for cancer or whatever, that would that would really ups that would really have an emotional impact mm. really close. Mm. Even for the like, two or three years after mm. everything, that would still kind of you go, ooh, you know, and then you'll be reminded that, oh, it, it might come back. This is not good. And then you start going down that spiral and you have to stop yourself. No, don't don't focus on all of that stuff because you're actually here, you're actually alive you've actually still got time so make yeah. the most of it life's yeah, yeah. for the living go and get on with that rather than using up your time worrying and stressing about mm. things so but these days it's further in the rearview mirror so you know seeing adverts on telly and stuff they don't trigger me in the same no. kind of way anymore okay. um and the thing the thing for me is so so in terms of relying on, on God every day. Yes, I do. Um, when I, when it does come back, it still comes back every now and then that sort of feeling or that fear. Um, I have to remind myself, you know, God said, but I think even, you know, even if it does come back, I can still rest on that truth. Mm. And to be honest, I mean, I don't sound glib. I don't want to, put anyone else's experience or feelings down but for me when the covid pandemic hit um and everyone was panicking almost and there were lots of people who were very very afraid and scared about what might happen and you know this could kill us and all. and yeah fair enough you know it, that was that's the reality of the situation mm. that you know i'm not belittling that in any way and or yeah that that was how it was but for me Yet I kind of was like, okay, yes, there's this disease. Yes, it's killing loads of people. But my emotional response to it, it was just like, oh, well, God's in control. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. I don't have to, yeah. I don't have to get scared. I don't have to, because I've, I've kind of processed all of that three, four years back. Mm. And, and all of that mm. stuff that people were going through, through the pandemic, I'd already done all that. Yeah. And, and I'd yeah. reached this point of just sort of peace and just trust in God. And, you know, if, if I'm going to live, I'm going to live. If it's my time to go and be with him, well, you know, great. I'll go and be with him. And, mm. you know, we'll just carry on. So yeah. not that I ignored the COVID rules or anything. I still followed no. the rules and I didn't want to infect other people, but just within myself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I still had that piece that I was carrying around. Yeah. It's like you, you've you already done the hard work of reconciling to this thing. 
and hearing yeah, yeah. God. Facing death and, you know, going through all of those, you know, questions and mm. stuff, wow. emotions and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Is there, is there another time or is there anything else you can think of where <laughs> you felt God has spoken to you perhaps, been close to you? Yeah, all right. It kind of ties in with, with the whole story. So I'll, I'll pick this one. Because mm. <laughs> there are there's so many. Um <laughs> the the transition, the coming from Zimbabwe, leaving that that terrible situation to come to the UK. So my grandfather um was born in the UK. He fought in the RAF and after the war he moved down to South Africa to join the police force. So I was able to get an ancestry visa to come and work and settle here. Um, lots of Zimbabweans were pretty much just going wherever in the world would let them in. Yeah, yeah, um, I can imagine. But yeah. I, I had, I had some sort of distant relatives living in the country. I could speak the language, which I thought was very important as well, um, because I had gone to good schools in Zimbabwe. I had Cambridge O and A levels, and I had a transferable university degree. And so it, it made sense to, to come here. And I'd been to the UK before for a gap year, a few years before. So I had a bank account and, you know, there was some structure. I was, it wasn't like I was just sort of jumping out of an airplane and landing right. in, a, in a, you know, completely alien place. Because so I, I had some experience. So I came to the UK, but the thing, the thing that the, the situation, um, I want to mention now is applying for all of this. So yeah, I guess visas are still quite a new thing for, for, for British people now that we've left the EU. But for a Zimbabwean, visas are a part of everyday life. You need a visa for everything to go anywhere. And it's mountains of paperwork and it costs a fortune just to get the stamp in your passport. And pretty much, um, I don't know if you've dealt with British High Commissions before, sort of foreign consulates, but when they make a decision, that's it. They've, they've decided and the decision is made, mm. full stop. Mm. So I filled in all the paperwork, paid the money, posted the passport to go to the British consulate in, in Zimbabwe, in Harare to get processed to get my my ancestry visa to come and i got uh, it all came back through the post got a reply application denied and i was like oh oh great why you know <laughs> i've filled everything why there was one bit of paper that they needed that they hadn't got so the answer was no. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do now? And it was at that moment that I just felt God saying to me, um, you've, you've been trying to do all this yourself. It's been your idea to go to the UK. It's been your idea to leave this behind. It's been your idea to, you know, go down this road. Yeah. And it was at that moment I was like, oh, <laughs> yes, sorry, God. I forgot to ask what you wanted me to do. <laughs> Here I am pursuing my own agenda because I think this is a good idea. 
but I hadn't actually stopped to ask God if it was what he wanted me to be doing. And actually, as a Christian, my life isn't my own. My life is God's. Mm. It belongs to him. And, you know, if he wants me to stay in Zimbabwe, well, okay, he'll, he'll make a way for me to mm. endure all of what's going on. But equally, if he wants me to leave, he'll make a way, whatever. So I said, all right, fine. So, so I repented, basically. <laughs> I said, sorry. Yes. I mean, none of us can you be need to be in We've control. all been there. We have I all know. been there with this sort of thing, you know. But then miraculously, two hours later, after me saying that prayer, the, my, my mobile phone rings randomly out of the blue, a number I don't recognize. I answer the phone, and it's someone from the British High Commission. Hello, la la la, you had a recent application? So I said, uh, yes. And he said, oh, well, we've changed our mind. We would like to give you the visa that you applied for after all. And I was like, what? You've changed your mind? They said, yeah, we've changed our mind. There was that one bit of paper that we needed that we didn't have. Now we've got it. And please put your passport back in the post. We'll pay for the postage. No problem. Send it back. We'll stamp it for you. I was just like, wow. That was amazing. Unheard of. Wow. It was just insane. And it was just like, okay, God, all right. <laughs> you, so this is like two control. hours of, yeah. after you've come to a place of peace about this. Well, not not a place of peace, but a place of saying, sorry, God, oh, I'll okay. do it your yeah. way. You've submitted. You've been obedient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and here I am. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is interesting. <laughs> these, I'm sure that there is a theme in this somewhere, isn't there, around these issues of just being obedient, being at peace. Mm listening to what god says just submitting to it it's there's some re- that's really really instructive i think the things that you shared with us there yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so we're going to close in a minute i wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how we can find out more about you because there's obviously lots of things you you do lots of things you get up to <laughs> yeah. um and probably more if we had more time we could talk about them but if if anybody's intrigued, maybe want to find out more about you, mm. other things about you, your story, some of the work you do, the your art, your music, or your writing, all of this kind of stuff, what how would they find out? Yeah, thanks. Um, the most obvious place is my website, um, mattmcclary.com. Um, my surname is slightly tricky, so I'll spell it out for you. M-A-T-T-M-C-C-H-L-E-R-Y, mattmcclary.com. Um, and on there, you get you get pretty much everything. You got you got songs on there, and links to social media. Um, you can find my podcasts on there, and the books I've written on there. Some of the stories I've I've been sharing today mm. are in a book um, that's just been published called Standing in the Storm. So you can get that book on there. Yeah, and you can find out all sorts of stuff. So that's the most obvious place to point people, and then they can kind mm. of follow whichever vein you know thing they're interested in and and head off from that point sure so i'm glad you've told me how to pronounce your surname correctly now yeah actually that's that's well lots of people say how do you pronounce your surname and i say 
have you ever read that children's book, Harry McClary from Donaldson's Day? <laughs> and they say, oh, yeah, we know that once. I say, that's how you say it. There it is. <laughs> there is, it? is. I don't, I, I've heard of it. I don't, I don't know how it's spelled. I don't know how Harry McClary's oh, the spelling is. The spelling is very different to mine, but the pronunciations <laughs> are so. Okay, Matt McClary. So, <laughs> so, so that website again is, it, it's spelled M-A-T-T-M-C-C-H-L-E-R-Y.com. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Um, so just before we finish, Matt, is there any any like parting thoughts you want to share with us? Any just a, a couple of sentences or something? Uh, a little bit of wisdom just, just to finish off on at all. Um, trust, trust God, basically. Um, if if you are mm. if you are living a life surrendered to him, you need to trust him. Mm. And yeah. Don't don't try and hold on too tightly to the things of this this world. Mm. Yeah. Well, you certainly learned that, didn't you? Gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Matt. Thanks very much for your time. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Andy. It's been great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Testimony Podcast. You can subscribe to the show on all of the major podcast distributors, and also follow us on Twitter at TestimonyCast. If you want to find out more about the Christian faith and connect with someone to talk about your experiences or answer your questions, just go to www.christianity.org.uk from wherever you are in the world. You can also contact us by email at thetestimonycast at gmail.com. That's thetestimonycast at gmail.com. I look forward to sharing more of the stories that matter from people of faith with you soon. Until then, thank you for listening and God bless you.